Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. You're making a mess and you get me all stressed When I trip and I fall on a toy or a ball You don't have a clue about the things that you do to my soul When you try to stick your fingers in the plug hole You fill up my day and you plug all my night Because you cry for no reason and your eyes smell of shite But no I wouldn't, oh yes I couldn't change a thing about the child Than the rarest jellyfish single Maybe three million pounds <laughs> Who does he think he is? Come around here with his bloody podcasts Kids, welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I've, I've kind of almost given up trying to get these uh, uploaded on Fridays uh, for the time being while the Kickstarter is still going because that is kind of taken over my life at the moment. But, um, you know, not hopefully too much at the expense of this podcast because I love it. I'm glad, every, you know, a lot of people like it as well. And, you know, I've been able to get some great guests like today's guest, uh, Robert Hecker, the Red Cross guitarist and also frontman, songwriter, all-round genius of his own band called It's Okay. 
So the song at the start of the show was an a cappella piece written by me about uh, one of my best friend's uh, kids, uh, Alex, uh, when he was when he was quite young. Um, and he did something for the EP, and I also promised that I would write a song for Alex, and that's why it's called Alex's Song. And um, I did a lot of the backing vocals for that as um, as part of a demo, and they were kept. And uh, but I also needed someone to add, you know, uh, someone more capable than me as a singer to add his vocals to it. And uh, Vim Audek um, from The Hague, the guy who mixed, mastered, and performed on, you know, a lot of my stuff. Uh, he's he's just absolute genius um, if you join the Pablo's Poppin podcast Facebook page I will give you a link to his music he makes music on the level of Frank Zappa and that is not an over exaggeration he's an absolute genius and you must check him out and buy his stuff I mean he has a you know a weekly radio show dedicated to all of the music that he's been involved with called Wim's, uh, Wim's World I suppose it depends where you're from Wim is spelled W-I-M but he pronounces it Vim Audek. So O-U-D-I-J-K. Yes. Um, so yeah, I hope everyone's having a good week. Uh, the Kickstarter, you know, this is kind of my headlines. <laughs> um, the Kickstarter is doing okay. As I'm recording this, we are at 52% and there are three weeks to go. So it's going to be a push. Um, for those unfamiliar, because you know, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of Red Cross fans will be tuning in, and a lot of fans of Robert as well. Um, luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm almost certain that you will have heard of Jellyfish, and luckily, I've been able to, you know, work with, interview, and kind of become friends with members of the band. Not Andy. Andy's as you know impossible as a unicorn to try and contact. Um, and don't get me wrong, I have tried. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, the new EP, it features Roger Joseph Manning Jr. on lead vocals. He's never done lead vocals for an outside track before. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll do it more in the future as he goes more into sort of session work for unsigned artists. He, you know, he's done quite a bit of it. Um, but, you know, I like to push my luck. <laughs> and that's how I got uh, VIP back tickets as well, which was amazing. And I got to meet Roger and, yeah. Uh, you know, also uh, look back at the previous shows. I was able to get Imperial Drag together uh, for a show. Um, Eric Skodis wasn't a part of that show, but he and Eric Dover will be a part of a show in a few weeks. And he, it will be a fan question show. So uh, submit your questions on Pablo's Poppin Podcast Facebook page and they will be asked to Eric and Eric um, and I've been told that Eric Skodis is kind of the you know the uh, encyclopedia of Imperial Drag you can ask him anything and he'll probably be able to give you a really good answer uh, like what colour socks were they wearing at a certain gig or something like that um, speaking of Eric Dover he also features on the EP as well plays guitar on another track um, I'm, I'm proud to call Eric a friend um, and he's been so helpful um, and by the time this is up actually I don't think it will be but uh, <laughs> um, keep an eye out on well Pablo's Pop and Podcast Facebook page or search Toxic Melons on uh, Facebook and you will be kept abreast of uh, all Kickstarter updates um, you know just yesterday Tim Smith from Jellyfish Uma Jets you know their first album was not a, a life changer for me I interviewed Tim a few weeks ago as well um, he gave a seal of approval on the Kickstarter and on my music which is amazing that's three members of the Spilt Milk lineup people <laughs> it's an amazing thing uh, so you know if, if that doesn't sell you on it uh, hopefully you know the fact that I think the very catchy tunes um, it, it, but seriously though this Kickstarter is a very important thing to me you know the theme of the podcast 
you know, uh, the underlying theme has been my self-employment and the podcast you know I've, I've been able to get some sponsors for the podcast please check out the sponsors um they you know the uh, 15 surefire tips for back pain relief uh is underneath the show on the podbean page um yeah it, it's led to sponsors it's led to me making some money to be able to pay the bills uh which i mean it means everything but there is something in the uk called working tax credit which you get if you are self-employed but not making a lot of money it's basically a little bit of government help and for for a year now they've just been absolute fucking dicks um and it's it's been to a tribunal it's going to another tribunal and to be honest i'm not entirely confident that i'm going to get this money just because they're making it as awkward as possible so this is part of the reason for the kickstarter as well you know i don't obviously pocket any of this money um the money goes towards getting the 10 inch vinyl made up and then it covers all postage costs um because they have to you know if you want an autographed copy by roger and eric that can happen and you know postage has to cover sending it out to them then it has to cover them sending it you know it could literally come from where i am in newcastle england someone from newcastle could have ordered it but i have to send it to the you know, LA, and then LA has to send it back to Newcastle. So that's why it's £3,000, and we are at just about £1,600. Um, for every £10 pledge, um, which gets you the EP on vinyl unsigned, um, every time we reach £100, you will... Uh, I unlock another piece of video footage from the vault, basically, from the EP recording. Now, obviously, I didn't record with Roger and Eric, you know, in LA. I wish I did. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, just clips from the studio, and I hope that, you know, you enjoy that. Um, take a look. Uh, the, the link to the podcast, uh, the li link to the Kickstarter is underneath the podcast. It, it really means a lot. Um, I, I can't emphasize, you know, how much uh, uh, some of my future really depends on this. Um, it, it's horrible that I have to be so sort of uh, you know pleading with you over this because I want Kickstarter should be fun but I've just went through the entire range of human emotions with this and luckily you know at the moment I'm feeling good it's going to be a challenge to get 100% by the 6th of August but you know we just we're just going to drive forward with it so yeah uh, uh, do check out the music uh, check out toxicmelons.bandcamp.com should you wish to buy my music but on the Kickstarter for just £5. This isn't available on Bandcamp. You get my entire discography for £5. That's insane. Um, I'm, I must be crazy. Uh, so yeah, you'll never find it that cheap again. So yeah, do check it out. Do share it, etc. And um, yeah, I, again, I know I'm being a pain about this, but it, it kind of has to be done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, so today's guest, Robert Hecker, actually, uh, before we go into that, um, I'll be telling you about some future guests after this interview, and we're going to be playing some tunes by Robert as well from It's Okay's latest album, um, which is called Cubed, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, honoured to, you know, for him to allow me to play some of his songs, so uh, before we go into the interview, I mean, Robert was so cool, um, you know, I... I still kind of get a little nervous. I think I'm getting better at this, but when you haven't talked to someone at all and they know you're a fan of them, um, you know, and it's, you know, you just worry that you're gonna, you know, mess things up, question-wise. Uh, so I'll be you know, any of that. I'll be editing out. <laughs> I haven't listened back to the interview yet, but um, it was a really good interview. Robert is such a great storyteller. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Robert anyway. Um, yeah, we got to talk about the art of songwriting. We just got to talk about his history. Uh, 
you know, how Red Cross came to be, um, just about everything. Um, and yeah, it was a great interview, so uh, I hope you very much enjoyed. So before we get into that, I'm not going to keep you waiting any longer, uh, we're going to play a song by Robert's band called It's Okay, with an exclamation point at the end. Um, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation point at the end. It's okay. I think that's how it should be pronounced. Um, so yes, this is called A Boy Named Pickle. And then we'll be going straight into my interview with Robert. Well, I was sitting with my very best friend was a boy named Pickle in the upstairs. With his little brother Huey and the mom and Brad, I closed my eyes. Spirit memories to take me there Cause nothing can compare to that summer home Running on the ends and wings Living on the bands of the radio Make some Friday night TV We have worked So on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast this week, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to one of the most unique artists that I've uh, come into contact with, um, both as a musician and as a songwriter and performer. Um, can it be both if it's three things? I, I try, 
Tri- yeah, try. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> see, as a host, you know, I should have a better command of the English language. Um, yeah. We, we, hey, I'll try, try again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, the guitarist in uh, Red Cross and he also fronts another band called It's OK, a brilliant band. Uh, I have with me Mr. Robert Hecker. How are you doing today? I'm well, Pablo. Thank you. Cool. Um, yeah, again, uh, you know, I'm used to sort of interviewing people on the West Coast, uh, so I stay up until about 2 a.m. Um, yeah. And I don't. I stayed up until 5:30 a.m. last night. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> See, I don't drink coffee, and you know, this is probably why I'm just completely, you know, tired all the time. I should probably. I understand. <laughs> are you Are you much of a coffee drinker? Or no, I've had two and a half cups in my life, oh, and right? I had. Yeah, and I, I had horrible physiological reactions to it. My, my my body became completely dehydrated for three days each time, and my heart was going, <laughs> you know. And I, I've stayed up over forty hours many more times than I'd like to recall, but and all, all without assistance, you know. I, I'm a I'm a never smoke, never drink, never had a drug in my life, full on teetotaler. Uh, uh, Prohibitionist, I guess, really, you know. So there you go. Yeah, which is very rare, considering that you're in rock bands and. Yeah, uh, right. Me, me and Gene Simmons and Bill Bartel. That was about it. That I, or in terrible Ted Nugent, of course, but not that he's doing us any good with the rest of his stance on everything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, let's uh, sort of. You know, I don't want to make it sound like a therapy session, but uh, sort of let's go back to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a couch in the room uh, to you know? Um, yeah. So I have a comfortable seat. It's got a pillow on it. It's colored. You can, this is what I'm sitting on here. It's all... Yeah, there you go. That is a comfortable pillow. Um, <laughs> so let's go back to sort of uh, your sort of beginnings as a musician. Was um, was folk your sort of uh, initial sort of um, influence as a musician? Well... Since you started, you know, you were in a, uh, you were in a folk duo... Um, yeah, well, that was not necessarily the first thing. That's just that's the first band I was in, if we can call it a band, with Ellen Rooney. We we performed as a duet. We we it was epic. We we played some song called Turtle Dove or something like that. I don't, I don't know what we were doing. You know, probably green sleeves and whatnot. You know, and, <laughs> and I was playing my nylon string. It was awesome. But I, I I began playing guitar when I was nine. But really, my uh, <laughs> here we go therapy, right? My, <laughs> My 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 father is a is 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 from Danzig, which which uh, which uh, was you know annexed to Poland after Treaty of Versailles and all this sort of stuff. So whatever goes on, but they they uh, so anyway, he's he's super duper old school, and you know, rock and roll is just the most heinous thing that's ever happened to the universe, this sort of thing. Anyway, so I I heard a lot of classical music as a boy. And that was pretty it in our household, but my buddies Pickle and Huey, their mother, their mother's boyfriend at the time, his name was Brad Roth, and he's really I, I have to single-handedly credit him with changing my life because he played us the Beatles, you know, oh, okay, records, yeah, and played us Sgt. Pepper's, and that was such a just this 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 kaleidoscope of music, you know, it was just it was just so overwhelming and and. And so that really, I mean, it did it. It it, it radically altered my life as a as a boy, mm-hmm. and and interested. You know, my mother wanted me to play piano. Right? <laughs> I'm a terrible piano player, <laughs> but, but 
uh, and so you know, I, probably half as an act of rebellion, and and then and then really just purely because I just you know I wanted to be Beatle George or whatever, right? It was just like guitar, you know. So I I, I started playing guitar when I was nine, and and uh, and I was self-taught, but I taught myself very formally with books and 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 fingers and you know the whole nine yards, you know, and and then like so many people, and it was it was inescapable in. Hermosa Beach, where I grew up, was, you know, punk rock changed my life, you know, and I, I met some, some fantastic characters, including the, 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 the Housdens, who, who, Janet Housden was the, the, uh, for, for a while, and anyway, during this Born Innocent era, she was the drummer in Red Cross, so that's how I met the brothers, and, 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 but what else, uh, yeah, it's so a punk rock changed my life sort of thing, and, and which also sort of degraded my my progress on the guitar for a few <laughs> years, which is too bad, you know. So, but when, I, I got that back in check, you know. Absolutely. So when you uh, discovered the Beatles, was this uh, post Beatles? Was this sort of early seventies? Oh yeah, it's so sad. Here's the deal. I, I, this is so tragic and sad, but true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, because we were probably about. Six and seven, me and my buddies Pickle and Huey. We lived in a duplex in Hermosa Beach. My family lived downstairs, and and my buddies Pickle and Huey lived upstairs. And Pickle's my age. He's just he is, I think, eleven days younger than me. I think, and and Huey was like, uh, he is eighteen months younger than us, or something to that effect. So we we're all little pals. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And so yeah, we we're about six or seven. So it's probably about like seventy. 172, you know, and, and yeah. we're all, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. Uh, uh, are, when, when are the Beatles making more music? And, and <laughs> poor Brad I, I remember this so vividly because you know, you're a little boy and your universe is so different, you know. And he says, he says, oh no, you know, it's really a bummer. They broke up two years ago. I was just crushed. You, you, like, you almost want to cry because you're a little kid, you know, you, this, this, the, the way you relate to this kind of news, you know. And one of the things about it was, I was devastated because I didn't think that I would ever be able to go get, for example, a copy of Sgt. Pepper's because my whole perspective was comic books and the comic books were always gone, right? Like you went to get a comic book and once it was off the rack, you're right at the local market, it was gone. And so I thought that's the way it was with records. I had no concept of like catalog and that sort of thing. You go back and, you know, buy the catalog. So I just thought that's it. I'll never be able to get this record again. Sgt. Pepper's is dust in the wind, you know? That's amazing. Um, so, in the early seventies, did sort of um, prog and glam sort of pass you by? Was that just something that wasn't really of interest? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, 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 as far as as far as pop, I, I, I was acutely. I mean, my my universe was like KHJ, which was a huge, you know, AM top forty station in Los Angeles, and so I remember we had a we had you know the 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 one step up from a transistor radio, like a clock radio in the kitchen, you know, with the, with the spinning hand. And, 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 and I would, I, I know this is absurd, but I would put my ear, I remember putting my ear on the kitchen table because that would, you could actually get a little bottom end, you know, and I could like, wow, there's more to it than just like the little tinny what's coming out of this two inch speaker here. You know? so were you kind of discovering that sort of uh, technical side yourself sort of thing? Like, oh, real, yeah, real, like, yeah. Yeah. Very early. I, I actually, I, it's been kind of frustrating for me in a sense, you know. I remember talking about to my mother about this when I was very young. I, I, I've never, I've never been able to uh, 
enjoy music the way other people do <laughs> I feel sometimes because ever since I was a boy, especially, oh my gosh, I remember when, when, when I don't know if it was Pickle or, or, or myself, one of us had this, one of us had this turntable, you know, like a flip up top, you know, like they used to come in suitcases basically, you know, like the yeah. built in sort of stuff. And I don't remember if it was his or mine, but one of us had this, this turntable, like I remember the top flipped up and it was stereo, it was the first stereo record player either of us had had he had this like little yellow plastic mono thing when we were teeny you know and I, I, I remember specifically listening to hey bulldog and i don't know if paul's just coming out of one can or what's but just and i i was just so blown away by one the 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 the, the new epiphany of stereo right which is mind-blowing right yeah <laughs> and then just and that just at that point on, I, I was ruined because from that point forth, I was constantly just always uh, disassembling, dissecting, and so it's really difficult for me to enjoy music as a as a as a whole, as a wall, which I think many listeners just listen to it as a whole. And I, since I was a boy, I've just I've always broken up. I, I, I listen to the parts and I hear the layering, which I, I mean, perhaps that's very advantageous as well, but. It's how I've always heard music as it's all the all the all the separate components as to constituents as opposed to the whole. Yeah. It's it's amazing what can sort of um, inspire you as a songwriter as well. You know, I'm I'm a huge Queen fan, and uh, John, oh, John Deacon yeah. John Deacon on bass, uh, you know, created some beautiful melodic. You know, yeah. Oh. And, um, and you know, it, it makes me and and and, uh, and like you know, D. Murray and stuff. They're all from that 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 post Paul or oh god, Chris White, right from Zombies. Oh, you know? I love, I love the Zombies. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, he really, truly was like a, a melodic challenger to Paul in a sense because they were such an overtly melodic, beautiful band. You know, just amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, oh, Deep, it's incredible, Queen. We 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 have a song. It's the title track of our our our, our next album. It's okay, and and it, it's called Four. It's like this funny autobiographical thing. But the, this this recurring into the chorus twice. It says, uh, "Music, music, what the heck? <laughs> anyway." I, it just it has a line it repeats twice music is queen I, I can't even remember if we say music music was king music was queen or mu- anyway queen and when we say queen of course it's a three boing, you know it's just great you know? <laughs> so um from listening to the Beatles was uh, did their lyrics sort of strike you as well um in terms of storytelling did that have an effect on you as a writer or- no it's funny that you say that I I I, I, I never I, I I always consider the voice like an instrument, you know? And I, I, I never I never listen to the voice as words. Really, okay. you know. I mean it was meaningless to me in a, in, a, in a sense. That happened much later. I was in a band in college before the Red Cross I was in college then too. But right out of high school I guess called Pancake, which is a wonderful band. This is a brilliant girl called him Pancake, uh who 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 was our our namesake, and she wrote just brilliant songs. It was all like Victorian circus music. It was like all our tracks were like being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, not quite <laughs> so beautiful, epic, and perfect, but but beautiful music. That, that's what we were. I always described us as Victorian circus music, mm-hmm. and 
I remember talking to her once, you know, because my my my, my lyrics at that point were just completely inane. I mean, they're just throwaway, like so much stuff is that you hear, you know, in, 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 in pop music. Did you sort of write about what you knew at the time, but obviously you didn't well, have that, a lot of life experience? I had, I had, you know, I, I have to say, in, in my teenage self, there wasn't much substance. And I mean, you know, you see this in anybody's catalog as it grows, you know, people yeah. mature. And, but I, I didn't I didn't really know what to write about you know, in a sense. I mean, what are you you know? So I just you know write angry or happy or whatever you know, and which I had simply nothing to be angry about. But <laughs> but she just said to me, and it was so simple. She's just like I just write about like what I know, like you know people around me, and because she did, she wrote these wonderful songs about people she knew, and that was it. That was really simple. That was just yet another boom <laughs> sledgehammer to the head. It's like oh yeah right duh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just write about what you know, and so, and so you know, I started writing about you know every girl I had a crush on, right? <laughs> you know, and all that sort of thing. But it's beautiful because then you can you can really flourish with that because these are real people who also, you know, are 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 so multidimensional, and so you, there's so much to 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 express then with that, and so to me that became really simple. So that's essentially I I just I write about what I know, whether that's that's an idyllic version or a utopian version or a very Spartan, sparse, harsh version, it's still, it all stems from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, with your sort of tastes, um, what we've talked about so far, say Queen, the Zombies, the Beatles, um, and going back to sort of the question, because I'm, I'm terrible at asking questions and then sort of going off in a di- completely different oh, direction beautiful. before I get that's the end. <laughs> We, personally, as a songwriter, I loved um, what, say, the zombies were able to do within the context of a a three-minute song as opposed to, you know, the whole prog thing of doing eight minutes of kind of nonsense sort of thing. And it's kind of structured, but (laughs) it's not afraid to sort of go in sort of different directions, like, say, uh, Care of Cell 44, all those kind of, um, you know, things. So, I mean, did you... um, did you sort of feel that your songs had to be structured or did you, you know, in your sort of early musical ventures, did you sort of go off in different directions and wear the wizard hat and, you know, have a band member with like four keyboards and sort of thing? No, <laughs> my, my son has got four keyboards, but <laughs> I, I give him a little needling about that, but it's all right. He's a, he's a, I've got, I've got all these beautiful guitars at home and my, and, and my son plays lefty, he's South Paul. And so he can't use any of my guitar, so it's just, <laughs> which is sad, you know. But it's like, and so like, you know, he's got this beautiful Telecaster. I want a beautiful Telecaster. You know? so, <laughs> so, you know. Anyway, no, but I, everything was always. I mean, I, I, I was. I would say, here's the deal. I would say, I, I was, I was always in a sense a conformist in that first. As a, as a youngster, I, I was kind of, I was kind of stubborn in the sense that everything had to be just like the Beatles because they were the template. So you had to have two guitars and a bassist and a drummer, and that's just the way it was, you know, that sort of thing. And then I, I moved on to preferring the power trio with the front man just because I, I, I like the liberty that that gives me as a guitarist, you know, because you can, you can, I, I, there's more, there's more open air and space to, 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 you know, go off on musical tangents and jams and all that sort of stuff. But was was that the main thing that it like sort of attracted you to punk, or was it more of an attitudinal sort of thing? Or yeah, you know, I I, I think just 
because I, I like I was never an angry young man when I when I was when I was introduced to all that I was just this crazy little hippie guy from the beach with all this long hair who caught a lot of flack and grief you know really for just that and, See, and that, that's kind of my image of LA though that everyone's you know especially in the 70s that everyone's kind of hippie and sort of uh, yeah it's beautiful yeah which I kind of yeah I, I love that you know and it's sort of my because um, I want to sort of go out there and yeah, you know, I speak to a lot of people who sort of um, are a little bit sort of fed up with LA. Yeah, you know, how do you, how do you feel about it now? Like, where do you live in LA? Is it kind of like a piece of? Oh, I, I live. I I live. I'll tell you the truth. I live in a in a in a, in a very nice, safe, suburban area by the ocean. Okay. And I have I've got I've got two kids, and and that's been a that's a a, a very you know that's a big motivator. I, I I I would never want my children, me personally, to be growing up, for instance, anywhere near, say, downtown LA. I don't want to grow up in a in a bustling, loud, hectic, busy bee, you know, thriving, bustling metropolitan area. That's just not for me. I I grew up. I mean, Hermosa was just a sleepy beach town, really, for all intents and purposes. When I was there, my heroes were these guys who, like, you know had big beards and long hair because it was just a bunch of hippies, you know, and, and surfers. And, and that's what our town was when I was a boy. So that has a, a profound effect upon me, of course. You know, all those people live, I guess, in Oregon now or something. I don't, I don't know, we're in Northern California. But, but you know, I... I uh, well, so, well, going back to sort of that uh, punk uh, Pardon me, yes. <laughs> um, did sort of uh, the area where you grew up, did... Uh, did it sort of create trends at the time, or did it very much follow trends, say, from the UK I, or whatever? I can't tell you what happened. The South Bay was a remarkable place. I mean, it really is. You know, it's a spawning ground for, for you know, famously black flag descendants, all that sort of thing, right? I mean, I mean, they all came out of one high school, for heaven's sake, right? Yeah. Hermosa was just this remarkable hotbed. And, and, and I, I think, you know, it, it did have... It's it's absolutely completely gentrified now, you know, and, and there's there you, there, there's a house for sale for twenty five million dollars mm-hmm. on the Strand where I grew up. I grew up on the Strand when I was a boy. My parents had an apartment on the Strand in Hermosa Beach. That's the oceanfront for sixty dollars a month, mm-hmm. you know. So it's 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 just a different world. But it was I, I you know there used to be like this the, the insomniac which was like you know the 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 the, the beatnik hangout. My parents hung out there, you know, before I was born. And, you know, same, it's just, that that's just whatever, you know, the, the beatniks gave way to the hippies and all that sort of thing. So I, I, when I grew up, that's who was around the hippies. I loved the hippies, you know, it was mellow peace love, and I totally subscribed to it. I'm, I'm all in, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, but but I think that, I think that the, the, you know, the beatniks and the hippies, they gave way then to these punks. So it was a very different kind of punk, you know, and it was, it's true. It's like there were all these angry yeah, I, it's it's the irony, the cruelty, the, the cruel irony. You know, here I am, I'm bald now, but there were all these angry, <laughs> bald people who suddenly infringed upon what was, I think, a, a, a very creative. It was just an extension of you know peace, love, and but maybe with a little bit of some people throwing some cynicism in there or whatever. But it was, I, I think, it was a tremendously just this 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 uh cauldron of creativity that was happening there i'm i'm younger than that first wave of people you know like 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 greg ginn keith morris those guys were like class of 73 costa i'm class of 83 you know so so i was i was in middle school when 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 uh, 
when I became aware of this and what was happening as it was exploding. But I think it was a, just a, a beautiful thing. And I, I, I really think it was just an extension of, of a, a certain mindset of, of honest to God, you know, peace, <laughs> love, and, and yeah. creativity, you know, and just an, an open-minded environment where, where whatever rules, rules. And then, you know, you, you, anytime you get the conformist thing, you know, and then you got the you got the, the 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 angry bald people who came and they were so hostile and just you know and wherever that it came from you know another county to be <laughs> yeah, well, punk, well punk in the UK I mean I'm sure you know I mean the the Sex Pistols are kind of the uh, I suppose the poster boy of poster yeah. boys of uh, punk in the UK but it was kind of um, a lot of it came from sort of. Um, you know, being against the establishment, and um, I mean, was was a lot of that? It's all youth driven, right? It's all yeah. youth driven. I mean, that's what beatniks and hippies and and whoever the 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 the, the guys with the big suits, the zoot suiters, any whoever comes before them, you know, the flappers in the twenties. It's all it's all youth driven. Yeah, yeah. So that's fair to say. So yeah. So, I just didn't. Under, I never understood the angry youth. I mean, I, I, I understand. I, I, I rescind that statement. I understand angry youth, upset youth. You know, so if you're, if you are in, if you are in, you know, a trying situation, and 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 <laughs> the absurdity, of course, of the, this, what, the angry bald people were all coming from highly affluent, you know, white <laughs> households. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're angry because. You got a BMW for your 16th birthday. Okay, go ahead, be angry. Uh, Throw a bottle at me. You know. Did, I mean, if this is sort of too personal of a question, are you sort of disillusioned by sort of um, consumerism and you know, um, you know, just kind yeah, of how I, the world I, sort I, of turned out, like. Well, of course. Well, I, mean, I mean, it's hard not to be. Mother, my mother used to, it was just terrible. I remember watching the Mort Saul show and stuff with my mother, you know, and she would just cry about the Kennedys and all that sort of horrible thing, you know. Because my mother, was, she, she was young when she had me, so she, she, she experienced the full throes of, you know, the hippie era and all that stuff. And she would really lament the, really the destruction of that total, you know, utopian uh, ideal, and, and 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 it was all attributed to bad seeds. You know, it was the drugs. I mean, that's that's what to me and into into you know from what I saw, and, and absolutely one of the prime reasons that I uh, I've been uh, you know like this straight edge dude my whole life, not like militant straight edge, but you know, <laughs> just like you know, why would I do something like that? You know, so. Um, so you know, it, it's always sad, but things also change. That's hard to accept. My town, my hometown, has changed so radically. Everything changes, and changes. You know, some people thrive on change. You know, and and I I, I can appreciate that. Consumerism is always a tough one. You know, we, we can't. I don't think we can really begrudge anybody what they want. You know, as long as it's not coming to expense. My 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 main thing about that is just is just consumerism as as a sense of disposable and and just waste and you know the 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 the, the merciless onslaught and attack on you know our environment and things like that and that so much of this occurs at the expense of you know 
billions of people who who are not you know benefiting from from you know their essentially slave labor right so, so i mean yeah. um does uh, like how much does uh, sort of uh, politics and uh, things like that come into your sort of writing um I, like have you ever written very strong sort of lyrics that you decided may be best not sort of put out there sort of thing or oh yeah of course, of course. And, and one of the tough things is just, is, you know, do you, do you like, if you're going to name drop, then it's all over. Because when you've dated your piece, I, I, I try to make every song timeless. Mm. We, we, have a, we have a couple of songs that would be, say, our most overtly political songs, such as from uh, It's OK Cube, our, our, our newest record, Eye Opener, which is a pretty epic song. You know, it's like seven minutes long. And, and it is, to me, there, and also Noble, Noble, an, 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 another, they, they are, you know, they're somewhat incendiary, at least in their presentation, they're pummeling numbers, but, but they're, 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 they're moral choices, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, 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 I try to never, I try to never, Try to never, you know, you know, be at the pulpit and you know, oh, this no. sort of yeah, yeah. I, but just to just to just they're just common sense, you know, and and hopefully people, you know, those those who who agree agree, and those who don't don't, and just <laughs> just like looking at Facebook, we're not going to change anyone's mind, <laughs> you know. Well, and that's a curious one to me. I mean, I I, I you know, people they see that from from you know. Uh, neurological studies some people are just wired different you know their brains flash for religion their brains flash for guns their brains flash for this or that you know my mind flashes i think for butterflies and flowers <laughs> and rainbows and sunsets you know well with it's okay was it quite important for the uh and was it a conscious thing to have the name of the band sort of be a statement sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. With yeah. the exclamation mark as well, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, it, 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 it's a very, it's, here's the deal. It, to, to, to me, it's a, it's a very comforting, warming, supportive, constructive statement. When I was a little kid, this is the story that's really the story behind the thing. When I was a little kid, you know, and if I'd gotten a scuff or whatever, you know, my dad, you know, he, he had me on his knee. And I know I've had I've had a boy who was little, you know, too, when he was little. He's big now. He's almost as tall as I am. But <laughs> but but, you know, he just bounced me on my knee. And he always said, it's oak. I can't my, I can't do a low voice. It's oak. With his, you know, he, he's got a pretty deep baritone. It's OK. Yeah. It's OK. Patting my back. And so that's it's it's really it's a, it's 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 the ultimate regressive for me in, in, in that sense. It's like this total that's like a womb of comfort to me, that expression. So that's, you know, and the 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 exclamation point yeah was 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 added as a was added as a uh, just to emphasize that we're not talking about mediocrity here now okay where it is supportive and constructive and warm and positive as a statement encouraging uplifting mm -hmm. that's and and you know the no matter what madness goes on there there's there's just always pockets of sanity and and love and promise you know that that so yeah, I, 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 and 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 that's why I, I yeah, 
we have gnarly songs that are that are kind of a bummer, you know. <laughs> I, you know, so but 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 again, they're just they're just to, they're 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 not meant to to shove down your throat. They're just meant to perhaps have us think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. um, with uh, Red Cross, because um, yeah. I I. Yeah, I, I love Red Cross, but I, uh, yeah. I'm going to ask you questions that I don't know. Obviously, listeners may know the answers to this, but like, oh, yeah. so, you know, yeah. um, so when you met uh, when you met Jeff and Steve, uh, how was what was the initial sort of introduction? And obviously, you are very talented, but was it a personality thing? You know, it all came together. You shared oh, some yeah. mindsets, not just yeah. musically, but with everything else as well. Yeah, yeah. no, I I I, I met them. I met him in Steve Housden's bedroom upstairs in Hermosa on 24th Street. And so I was probably in, it's hard for me to say, I, I, I really, I, I may have met them when I was in maybe seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And so I was very young, you know, I, I may have just been 13 or 14. And then I saw them a number of times and they were such a fun band. And, and I really, you know, because they were doing the punk in the same way, you know, they had they had started growing their hair, so they they weren't their 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 attunement of this was you know from from a from from a glam seventies angle. That's what they were really worshiping, and they were just completely you know enamored with Kiss and all this sort of stuff. And for me, I was a, I was just pure like sixties hippie. Beetle geek, you know. So, but 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 there was this really adorable, just flippant attitude toward the punk rock thing. Because again, it's this punk rock as punk being a, a uh, synonymous with just do it yourself and being very iconoclastic, you know, and nonconformist. Yeah, punk rock had already been a. getting that that conformity thing i i really really detest conformity you know so i, I just it, it, still playing my guitar up high i get so much grief you know what i'm saying it's like <laughs> it's like because you're supposed to have it like down in front of your crotch because that's rock and roll that's conformity punk rock should not be conformity it's, it's, it's everything it stands against that drives me crazy <laughs> so you know are, I mean? are you a fan of like the shadows and uh, the hollies and Oh, yeah. All that kind of thing, because it it shows in like some of your writing as well. I think. Yeah, well, I try to go poppy as I can, you know. <laughs> but but here's the yeah. So so anyway, you know we, we we got along like gangbusters, you know. And then and then I was with my buddy Paul K, who was all part of our you know friends, and and we were at the Cathay de Grand one night, and Tracy had left the band, you know, after Born Innocent stuff. They had already. They had already been recording Teen Babes, mm-hmm. and and then they had a, they had Des return to the band for many months, and then Vicky Peterson did you know like a, a couple shows or something, or maybe a couple months with the band, and so and so and I already knew them socially, you know, so we were just I'm out in the street, standing in front of somebody's car, and I'm like, dude. 
come on, come on, come on, whatever, whatever transpired, you know, mm. and Steve, he's all young, we were young, you know, we were teenagers, and Steve, he'd always flip his hair, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, well, oh, that, that, yeah, that's, that's cool, man, and so I, and so I, 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 you know, like the next day or whatever, two days, the weekend, whatever happened, I, I, I got on my bicycle, and I rode to their house, you know, and I, 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 I'm riding my bicycle and I've got my SG in, in the case in one hand and I'm riding the bike and it was six miles and I'm like riding over these railroad tracks and stuff. It was absurd, you know, <laughs> that was my mode of transportation for long distance travel was, was the bicycle. And so then we just, we sat in Jeff's room and, and, uh. We've just played a bunch of, you know, they knew a bunch of Stone songs and I knew a bunch of Beatles songs. And pretty much we just played them and sang them. I'd show them if they didn't know and they'd show me if I didn't know or whatever. And it was gangbusters. It was like that. So, you know. Was it sort of um, always uh, um, a democratic sort of uh, process where if they had songs, were you given a lot of leeway to sort of do what you wanted on the songs? Yeah, not... yeah for, the, for the most part. I mean, you know, sometimes somebody has an idea and that's just fine. Mm. I, I, you know, Jeff to, 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 in, in this context, I, I, I think was always, you know, it was his band and, and he was, he was also our father figure in the sense that i mean here's this guy who was you know 20 or 21 you know what i mean and we're 17 and 19 you know and so i was like yeah yeah so he's he's the he's the you know hmm. uh, was he the one that sort of you know give everyone a kick in the kick up the pants to be there on oh, time and oh, all that kind of no, thing no not nobody <laughs> that, 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 no i i was uh, i was if anybody i was the person who would you know work hard to see that we could all show up at a place on time and stuff like that you know oh, that must have been yeah as someone who sort of you know is the i guess the leader of a band i've torn my hair out trying to get you know um five people yeah, in the, same, room, it? the yeah. same place i know yeah we rehearsed for we rehearsed for years we rehearsed well initially we used to rehearse it awful you know we were rehearsing at four in the morning in this basement of this bank in hollywood it was crazy I, I don't know how or why that happened i rode my bicycle there from my from my parents house which was like with a guitar in my hand like through crenshaw and, and compton not not the safest of neighborhoods and just moronic because i didn't know what i was doing you know but but uh <laughs> anyway so so but we we <coughs> We had a very established thing for for many years. We we rehearsed from ten a.m. to two p.m. Monday through Friday. Mm. That was our job, you know. And then if and then pretty much like you know we were on the road six months out of a year. You know, one month come home a month, go out a month. You know, whatever we did. So, and we did that for like seven years. You know? So in the in that sort of time, um, was the sort of a, you know because obviously Red Cross were assigned to labels and everything. Was the sort of a, a a goal in mind because obviously the music industry was quite different back then um was it just or was it kind of a one day at a time kind of thing and um well, and, my, my... And, and as well over that time period as well you know the music industry and you know uh, you know fads and trends change sort of thing but red cross never sort of really f fit in with conformed. that yeah conformed yeah which yeah. is i mean to red cross's credit because you know this still oh it's beautiful but to yeah. our credit yeah we also we also missed every single you know uh well, yeah, opportunity 
perhaps. <laughs> Were you ever under any pressure to sort of conform by the label or whatever? Or... No. Sometimes I felt under pressure from the band to conform, you know, because I'm, I, I, I admittedly will just kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, follow my muse sometimes. But, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I mean... I, I think that, you know, we just, we perhaps, you, you always have your champions, right? Mm -hmm. We would have champions. People are like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then you're always a little out of time, too, because you're, you're, you're 10, 15 years behind your time. And yet, of course, as trends and retro goes, you're also 10 and 15 years ahead of your time. You know, it's just... It's the, which, it's the, which is kind of it has proven to be the case. Um, yeah, yeah it, like, but you can never win sometimes, right? But but <laughs> you know, yeah, I re I remember when we we signed to Atlantic Records, and that was an extraordinary thing. You know, I mean, to, I, professionally, that still has to be you know my career high point. You know, it was an extraordinary thing, mm. and I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, it was insane, and so. But I'll say, I just remember though them doing this whole thing about about okay, so we're going to market you as our alternative band, and, and, and I'm just like I, I, I said it at the table, you know, with all the bigwig people. I'm like, alternative to what? Uh, I mean, you know, we're a rock band, you know, we 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 sell two thousand tickets in every single major market that we play, right? Because we did at that point in time, you know. And it's just like alternative to what? I, I, I always that drove me crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not. I, I know it's just become like this. This it's just a sort of a, uh, a I don't know sort of a, a umbrella catch-all phrase for for what for for post grunge or whatever. I, I don't. I don't. I still don't know what it means because it, it it still encompasses so much. You know. So what's the point, right? Just. So at what point in time? Genres. I, I know people want to understand. They want to. They want to know what's your band sound like. I never know what to say. With Red Cross, I used to just say Happy and Loud. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I said. Oh yeah, you know? like I mean, with my stuff, I, I, I you know, it, obviously the artist doesn't want to pigeonhole themselves. But I yeah. just uh, writing a bio, a self bio is the most pretentious thing. I just, I yeah happy and loud i just put preposterous and best best li best listen to while lying down or juggling eggs that's you know that's all i put right um <laughs> which you know yeah, so, so, I mean, the it's okay sorry. Oh, sorry no no go I was, it, with the it's okay's i just I, I i gave it a little roll of tongue you know it's 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 what, what a pop rock soul punk mixed nuts <laughs> you know i figure that that covers it right you know so. A little bit of a little dash of this and a you know sprig of this. Right? <laughs> well, when you talk about that uh, sort of particular meeting that you had, um, I, I just imagine everyone in suits. And I have, I have, I have, I have that on videotape. I, I taped it. With, <laughs> I do. I, 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 I've got to dig that one out. I, I are, have, are you, uh, are you all dressed? How I, I'm no, I have our signing. Dressed. When we signed, I signed it on my Fisher Price Pixel Cam, which is an extraordinarily low resolution black and white that 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 that, that filmed on it. A compact cassette. It was a toy, but it was the first affordable video camera. You know, you could get it for like 130 bucks or whatever. But it was a toy. I bought it at Toys R Us. You know? that, that that would be so sort of retro and hipster now. You know. Um, oh yeah, wouldn't it people, be fantastic. Yeah, people Unfortunately, probably... the CCDs are totally fried on it. It'll still play back the old tapes, but it, it doesn't record anymore. It's just a solid gray. Because oh, I pulled okay. 
showed it to my son, you know, it's rad, right. but it doesn't work. I'm kind of hoping with that meeting that you you were dressed how I'm thinking you were probably dressed. Like, you know, oh, just... I, have, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. I, oh, I, okay. I don't, <laughs> um, yeah. So, was that around... Because I, I discovered a Red Cross um, through Jellyfish. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, it was third eye, you know, it, you know, cause it has that a lot of sort of, I, I don't want to say jellyfish sort of, uh, overtones cause obviously you were completely two separate things and that's the whole pigeonhole thing that I don't, I, I would say, I would say we were a rock band and they were a pop band. Mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, no, to, yep, to, to, just to make it black and white, you know, we played a few shows with them. Well, yeah. there's there's one video of uh, of Andy Sturmer saying that um, Red Cross is probably the only thing that he listens to. Um, well, that's it's the only thing that he felt like he could connect to, sort of thing. Yeah. And that was yeah. around the uh, the Third Eye era as well. Um, so was there a lot of because um, uh, you know Steve played on Belly Button and yeah. um, so I mean was there a lot of sort of. Uh, was there more of a scene around that time than maybe there had been beforehand or i i don't you you mean of this of this particular type yeah, yeah I, I don't want to say no, power pop know, I, in particular but sort of that sort of um i i don't know i, I don't think bands like red cross and jellyfish were sort of a reaction or like a backlash to sort of hair metal or anything like that um, no, oh no! It was just embracing Saturday morning cartoons from the seventies. To me, I mean, that's what it was. You know, embracing everything about Wings that's so great. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I always thought at that point did, um, did it was nostalgia. What they, what, they, what they didn't have that we had was just that <laughs> I hate to say, it, but just that, that that element of pure trash. You know, mm -hmm. which I thought always made made us more akin to say celebrity skin or whatever, you know, because it was more, there was so much more of a wink and a nod to it. You know, I, I think that, I think the jellyfish has had more of a, a, a devout sincerity maybe in their, in their approach to it. And ours was so, was so, uh, well, yeah, I can't say that either though, because I mean, we did, you know, we, 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 we did, you know, worship our, our, our idols. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, no. Well, was I mean, was there ever sort of a? Um, I mean, this is purely speculation and just you know, I I don't know. Um, but was it ever sort of a, a fine line to not come across as nostalgic too much? Because then... oh, you know, yeah, no, we never wanted to do that. Mm. No, we never wanted to be a. I mean, we didn't want to be a. You know, a a a. a throwback we didn't we didn't want to be a throwback you don't want to be a stooges i mean you play a stooges song but we don't want to be a a stooges uh, tribute act yeah yeah we didn't we never had any intention of being a tribute act i don't think in any way whatsoever but we just we just tried to well you know. I, I suppose not necessarily a tribute i suppose just wearing your influences on your sleeve to such a level oh we wore them loudly yeah by all means <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, say, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I love jellyfish, but I can understand that's maybe why they weren't able to, I sort of, I, I don't know, maybe break out of the box like, yeah. they, sh like they should have, because maybe it, it was too easy to compare them to certain things where, but, you know, I, I think even they would say that, you know, they, they were probably misunderstood, 
You know, it's it's easy. Of course, it's yeah. easy because of the harmonies. To, I mean, it's another thing Andy says. Oh, it's easy because the harmonies to compare with the Queen, but they it's added true. all the orchestration in their songs. Jellyfish did that. Queen never really did. It was just guitars, bass, drums, piano, and keyboard yeah. something. So you know, it's also just. I mean, it's a really a simple matter for for all of us involved. You know, just a just wrong place, wrong time. I mean, because because. Well, yeah, ten, fifteen years earlier, yeah, it may have taken off. It's like, what is, what is the, what is the current, what is the current mood of the listening public? I mean, it's just you're just at the mercy of that to a great extent, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, how, how does? It's just you know, we 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 have friends who have just, you know, been in the right place in the right time and. You know, so they own the house I'm renting or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's just, so, so you know. Yeah, I, I, as well, I didn't want to sort of feel like I was being too uh, pry-y, you know what I mean? Sort of no, no, not the um, least, not the least. It's just because I'm sort of, obviously I'm fascinated with that time and I don't know too much about it because obviously I wasn't there and, you know, I'm, I'm in the northeast of the UK, which is, uh, it's not exactly the hub of the power pop world, though the, you know, LA music scene in general sort of thing. Um, so, but after, yeah. after um, it, you know, that the, during our time, it was, it really was that, it was that, it was that hair thing, you know, that, that hair metal thing, mm-hmm. the 80s. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's what was just, I mean, we were on the Team Babes record was released on Enigma Records. Enigma had us and they had some other, you know, heavy metal bands or Leather Wolf or whoever was on it. And they had some punk rock bands. They had they had uh, they had Nip Drivers. But then then they had Poison and like Poison, you know, we did a show with Poison at the Country Club and, you know, and and six months later they've sold six million records you know and you're just like wow you know and it's all right they were just a bunch of drag queens and pretty much that's all we were at the time too i mean you know we were running around with our lipstick and our teased hair and all that sort of stuff you know it was a trend and we kind of ran with it for for i i think it's sort of that that one sort of was one of those where it just sort of like those though that particular faction the glam thing kind of crossed you know and so that that helped draw something you know mm-hmm. yeah but but so but, did, you, did you fully embrace the androgyny side there oh yeah for a good 18 <laughs> months i would say <laughs> um yeah and well. then and then it goes on you know then i we were up and we're playing in the pacific northwest and we played a show and i don't know somewhere in yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the androgyny side opened the, for us, right? And uh, and and six months later, Soundgarden sold six million albums. So that's just you know, strangers in the night, and you pass these people, and then you suddenly see them go, wow, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all right, it's beautiful. That's uh, awesome, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with the sort of androgyny, the androgynous sort of side of uh, Red Cross, um, again, it's something that Jellyfish said that they didn't uh, go down well in certain areas of America because of the way they dressed. Was that the case with Red Cross in some, oh, like, say, like Middle America? And, you know? Well, I, I, you know, you, I mean, we, we infrequently went to a place that's not going to be prepared for us. <laughs> Red Cross right. never toured Alabama then. Uh, well, well, no. <laughs> okay. we, we, we did play the Deep South and, and 
and there were some very uncomfortable things there. Honestly, honestly, in in just just that relates to what we see in the news today, just really, which and this was the '80s, and it was boggling my mind. And and here we are, 30 years later, and it's just you know, boggling my mind. And and uh, I, I I remember very specifically though we we pulled over once. I don't know if it was first tour or later tour, but we were in the South and, and we went into like some little market thing, you know, mm. here we are, we stumble out and we have all our long hair and we're all disheveled and unslept, you know, and unkempt. And oh, it was so hardcore. These guys in there and they, they're fully full on doing that. Yeah. 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 Thing. When we came in, it was just like, Holy smokes. And you, you feel really threatened by that. I mean, I, I felt tremendously threatened. I mean, that's what it was. That was a threat, you know. So, so yeah, you know, it's, it's usually, usually it was all a love fest. But, you know, sometimes when you're not where you belong, I suppose, I, I'm not, a, well, whatever, I can't, and we get politic. I can't do that right now. But, yeah. Well, um, with uh, Red Cross, again, this is something that I'm, um, you know, asking uh, entirely. Yeah, I'm sure listeners will know the answer to this, but um, you know, you've been in and out of the band, you know, um, yeah, more, more than once over the years. So, what? Why is that? Is it just a mutual decision? Well, or? no, no, no. The first time, the first time was was I left. I, I did. I did seven years. I did eighty four to ninety one, and. You know, I had a quarter-life crisis. That's what I call it, right? You know, oh, yeah, I had one as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was 25 years old, and, you know, and I, I, had, I had had a girlfriend for a long time, and, you know, we stopped, and, and she moved. And, you know, and then so I, the, the band really had become my emotional foundation, which wasn't really necessarily healthy for me, you know. So I just I I you know I was just I was just I had my quarter life crisis. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to you know just be like Mr. Suburbia, you know, which I I enjoy. I'm I'm a I'm 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 not the guy who goes out every single night. You know, it's it's people are people are I think surprised when they see me out on the town. You know, so it's a rare event. So so. So that was just, you know, that I just, I, 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 that was just my own emotional situation at the time. So that was fine. And then the, the second time I was really very happy when we, when we started again, I, I started playing with Jeff in 2005 and that was fun. And, and, you know, everybody was married and had kids and so the priorities i thought were much healthier and better and and so i, I that made it very good and i did i was i was uh, <laughs> i i i was i was replaced without notice which was unfortunate and okay. yeah and so there you know we we would have these we would have these uh it was really fun because we would play as opposed to just these these interminable tours and things like that. We were just playing lots of one offs, you know. We go we go to England, we go to Spain, play play one or two shows and come home. So we play like, you know, once a month or once every other month, play a big show, make some money, 
rock out, have fun. So I was good, you know, and and uh, so we there was this, there was this. So, we, but we always, you know, we, we'd send out our emails and all this. I, I got to do this. I, I got to do that. Who can do this? Who can do that? And so we had an opportunity to go to Australia and uh, and. Uh, so is, and, is that sort of the secret behind Red Cross's longevity that they know when to sort of, you know, leave it for a, a little while and then they can return to it when it's. You know, they feel that. I don't know. We're just kind of. We were just sort of a. You know, there's always hiatus for why ever people hiatus many reasons. You know, mm. <laughs> you know it's just you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I. But I enjoyed. I enjoyed that that particular way of doing things. I I thought that was really rad. I enjoyed the occasional monthly show go to another city someplace far i thought that was really fun i liked that mm -hmm. so yeah. well with it's okay um was the kind of um i suppose some liberation that there was no pressure to sort of i mean was it your aim to sort of appeal to a certain audience or was it just your aim to just get ideas out there and well i i i because it was pre-internet as well so I think there's a natural appeal mm -hmm. to to our, you know, Red Cross folk, et cetera, just in the sense that, you know, it, it's coming from a very, very similar place. You know, I mean, it's coming from all the essentially same same inspirations. I've got a little extra, you know, maybe new wave and prog in my corner. <laughs> you know, that's. But besides that, you know, it's it's all coming from the same place, and it's all again about melody is king and pummel, and you know who are your who are your heroes? You know, it's all going to come back to, you know, want to be the the who on stage or whatever, right? Just pummel it, and 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 uh, and. But in the same sense, you know, I I do I, I feel like George, and he gets to make all things must pass. You know, I, I I've got two hundred and forty songs sitting on all these tapes behind me and and you know and so and so i get to play them you know and it's beautiful and, and ellen rooney's got a just a, a just just astounding voice and it's beautiful you know i agree with that um so over the years um did you sort of become more in demand as like a session player and stuff like that like what kind of you projects know, I, I i didn't do much i i I I I've played a few random things like you know on people's records who I don't even know type stuff and meh, you know, um, but that 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 kind of tapered away. I I I've always like behind me here. I've I've always been uh, self-sustaining in the sense of recording my own stuff. I, I I worked for ten years as a front of house guy at a theater, you know, performing arts, doing like I've I've done. Don McLean and Art Garfunkel and all sorts of rad stuff like that, yeah. and and uh, and so and so I, I really I, I I'm I'm getting on my own tangent. I'm, I forgot your question. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about recording stuff, but I <laughs> no, it was just in terms of uh, you know how you know other projects that you've been working on through the years, like in terms oh, of session oh, stuff oh, yeah, and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but I, I ended up recording people and playing on people's people's uh, things as well, you know, which was enjoyable. But the thing is, you know, I, uh, I, I, 
I get I get kind of like sensory overload, you know, and I, I get headaches and and you know I'm always wearing my earplugs. Wear your darn earplugs. <laughs> and and uh, and so I, I you know it's it's hard for me to 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 you know record somebody for ten hours and then come back and do my own right. It's just it's fatiguing. So so has your hearing held up over the years? Excellently. I, I, I've, I have been wearing earplugs since I was 15 years old. Ah, see, um, that's very wise. Yeah, no, I, 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 I've, I've, I wear earplugs, you know, at the movie theaters. I wear them when I'm vacuuming, whatever. I, I can't, I, I get, I get headaches. I, I, I have no interest in loud noise whatsoever. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've been grossly irresponsible, you know, subjecting these poor people. And, you know, that was, I have a, I have a degree in kinesiology and I, I spent, uh, I spent a, a solid semester. Well, I, 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 two, I, I, I spent a semester studying hamstring avulsion injuries because I've got a big track and field interest and background. And I spent a semester studying exclusively uh, man made noise uh, induced hearing loss. Um, and so. Yeah, I'm 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 a huge advocate of protecting your ears at all times. Wear your earplugs. Put them in deep. Max thirty threes. Howard Lee. Yeah. Is that something you would ever? I, I know many. I know many, 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 many of my friends who had profound, measurable hearing loss by their early twenties. Mm -hmm. no I, I think whatsoever. that's something that you know you could do that you know would be a service to sort of uh, young musicians you know give talks and stuff like that has that ever been something that has interested you or is that ever you know i'm friends with this woman who's who's one of the the founders of of here h-e-a-r they're out of bay area and i actually wrote her an email and she or or a, a message you know and she never responded to me perhaps i should do it again i, I hate to harangue people though you know but I, I, I am tremendously, me personally, tremendously interested in that. I, I think that would be fantastic. I, I would love to, you know, be a, be a, hopefully an inspiration of somebody to protect their hearing. It's not worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, I, I don't know what it's like sort of um, where you are, but um, if, if I'm on a bus, you know, I, I'll wear these, you know, these closed back things. And to be fair, yeah. I, I don't get uh, hearing fatigue. Uh, through them and they don't thankfully hurt my ears because I, I don't play music really loud but obviously when I record you know the click tracks like a you know oh, yeah. it's like know literally someone flicking your ear drum yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, in, in that case I mean it, you, you, you can still put a pair of earplugs in and just you just you just you're right you attenuate the entire level including your externals your drums or whatever and you know I've done that many times because I know you got to you got to pummel that you got to pummel that click track if you're laying something down a lot. I understand that. Absolutely, yeah. and it's just amazing though how um, you know young people sort of don't really. They're invincible. Uh, They're invincible. Yeah, yeah that's oh. exactly it. Yeah. Um, especially <laughs> with those little sort of iPod earphones that you know just little tinny things that just you know. Um, you can hear if you're on a bus and they're sat at the back and you're sat at the front and you can oh, hear it. Oh, it's horrifying. It's, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's really worrying. <laughs> yeah, as well because you know I I um I taught 
last year when I was doing a teaching course, and it was just uh, it, I tried to make it sort of um, sort of quite um, you know an important point you know that they need to take good care of their ears. Oh um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but as well, like, I, you know, I've, I've I, got. I, I also teach. I teach, and I have. I teach science, but in my in my classroom, I've got what we call I call my hypertrophic ears of science. I've got two of them, and and I try every year to every class do the ear lecture because because the kids you know there is directly inside their ear with the buds, and there's there's absolutely no dispersion of the of the pressure wave, and it just it causes yeah. I, I, your your. Your neurons in your brain and your cilias in your ears are the only cells that cannot regenerate. So that's it. They're gone. They're gone. So don't mess up your brain and don't mess up your ears, right? I hope everyone's enjoying my interview with Robert Hecker. I'll be back in a jiffy. Are you ready for this? Sugar plums in your head? If you are looking at exploring your own unique and individual style, come into your worlds through Geordie's Tattoo Studio. Spotlight a significant aspect of your own self. We can help fuel your thoughts with our ideas, give you options, and then we do the rest. Find us at www.geordiestattoo.com. And now, back to the show. Um, with uh, the most recent uh, Red Cross album, uh, Researching the Blues, yeah. um, did you tour with the band when Eric Skodis was on drums? Yes. You didn't. Was that a? Were you asked, or was it a? No, no. That's what I was saying. Unfortunately, there was a, there was a, an Australian tour. You know, we sent out our emails to one another, and I'm. I was like, well, sorry guys, I can't do this. You know, mm-hmm. but then, and, and 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 pretty much, you know, if somebody couldn't, that just it was just kind of a bummer or whatever, you know, and then then uh, then I got a I got a congratulatory email from a cousin of mine who lived in England and. Uh, Congratulating me on this Australian tour, and I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> so, yeah. so Red Cross in general is quite a an open thing, sort of thing, where you know. Um, well, it looks like it, it's, yeah. it's evolved into that. It looks like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it appears to be that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I'd imagine a lot of people, you know, were probably disappointed that you weren't a part of the tour. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks, you know. I I know that in the in the '90s, I know in the '90s when they played Germany, apparently a whole bunch of my relatives went there, but they didn't know that I had left at that point in time. I had left, so it was disappointing. It was, uh, you know, so it, it it was it was very disappointing, you know. The, the, I, I was available for you know the entire summer. I mean, I I teach. I have Julys and Augusts are just a blank slate, you know. And so, and here here there was a a, a a release party for a record we just made and like I you know that was very awkward and uncomfortable so what do you do okay um well one person that we sort of uh, have in common and I think I found him through uh, possibly Roger Manning because he made Roger Manning sound yeah, 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 yeah. uh, John Krupp um, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you go back a long way with him or is it I've known John for a very long time uh, the, the, the first It's Okay record mm. The first It's Okay record was, I, I was just trying to get somebody to make the cover or assemble it or whatever. 
and seeing if we could do it on a computer. But this was like the late 90s and nobody had computers. There was no Photoshop or maybe there was, but, you know, like, you know, two people in California owned it. And so I I went traveling all over, gallivanting all over uh, California, tracking people down. That's when I first met John. I, I, I He was living probably in the same house he still lives or maybe he was living in Napa. I can't remember. Anyway, I, I remember going there, but he at the time he had just been getting his computer things and and i think you know nobody owned a scanner that was like when you had to go to a shop and spend 250 dollars to get something scanned like literally 200 wow. oh it was just it was preposterous and so mm. so that was a <laughs> that was the first time i met him it was kind of fun you know and then ultimately i went i, I ended up down and I, I was driving all over the state i don't know just to try to get something scanned you know it was crazy <laughs> I had a friend who'd taken all these beautiful pictures, and I, I didn't know how to put anything together at all. Yeah. And, I was, you know, I was just, it was DIY, doing it all myself. And and uh, so then I, I, I met some people in, in Carpentria down by Santa Barbara, and, and they, Julie Sigward and Rob Sonner, they helped me out, which was wonderful. Anyway, that's when I met John. That was a long time ago, like, you know, almost. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting that it was you in particular who uh, met John first and then sort of, then I uh, suppose John got introduced to the rest of Red Cross, yeah, and yeah. Um, that's really cool. Um, and John, you know, I've I've seen a lot of his work, and he's he's incredible, and I'm glad that he's uh, you know, doing well as well. Because I I I, like, I understand as an artist, you know, finding work sometimes isn't the easiest thing to do, and uh, he seems to be doing uh, well at the moment. So, oh, um, I understand, yeah. So as a as a vocalist, uh, you are you know have a very unique delivery, and you've, um, Thank you can you know uh, I don't want to say cover a lot of styles, but your voice is suited for you know a lot of different um, genres, I suppose, and that reflects I in your. I I I truly feel blessed by that. I've got this crazy like giraffe neck, you know. But the nice thing about this is I've got this huge larynx, which are like I'm going to cover this camera here. It's just like. Yeah. I mean, I've got this huge physical range, you know, which right now is not, you know, I'm I'm in I I'm I'm not in I'm not in training as it were, you know. We haven't been rehearsing much, so mm. well, coming up nine months straight of talking in the class, which is murder on the voice. <laughs> yeah, um, well, do you have to do you shout in the class or are you, you know, no, no, no. I never do, no. So how how do you deal I mean, with sometimes that? I a project and that sort of thing, <laughs> but not not yeah yeah I'm 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 a I'm a pretty I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty darn mellow guy you know. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> who, who were your? Uh, did you have any particular influences as a singer? Um, and when did you realize that you could um, sort of adapt to different styles with, you know, not till high school. Okay. I, I, I was that as your was that as your voice changed sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I do remember being in sixth grade, you know, having a big voice change when like, I could no longer sing like BG songs, <laughs> you know, uh, Barry Gibb stuff. But <clears throat> it, it, it took me a while to, to learn to control my voice. And it took me a while to learn to to learn to. Uh, build build the the endurance, you know. Just to so so once I once I had found the voice, then then 
then uh, it was just it was just maintaining it. And I, I I've been pretty abusive to my voice. I mean, truth be told, you know, I I was always the one who who you know hollered right. And so, <clears throat> but you know, I also enjoy my enjoy my getting to be the the Graham Nash of the band, you know. So so my my falsetto and my high stuff is is tough for me to to conjure up now but i i, I think a lot of that though again is just un unfortunately my day job which finds me you know yeah. lecturing six hours a day or whatever and it's just it, you, we're not supposed to do that so and and tours would be very hard all of us you know all of us you're you, when when you're in that second week everybody's got some some brand of laryngitis, you know. <laughs> have you ever had to sort of, uh, you know, uh, when it, you know, during the Red Cross tours and stuff like that? Did you ever have to sort of tune down halfway through a tour just so you could hit those notes a bit? No, you know, we never did that. We never did that. We never did the drop tuning thing ever. And <clears throat> I think I would just, you know, you just start doing the Brian Wilson pick a pick a pick a new harmony, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and. and yeah, you know, we have, there's that, there's, there's this DVD of, <clears throat> of us playing in Madrid. It's really good. Mm. Five cameras, 16 tracks. And my voice had been obliterated. It was absolutely gone. I, I couldn't talk for like the seven days preceding it. And I was so grateful, you know, that, that I, yeah, it, it, it came back with just the lovely amount of, of, rawness and all that sort of stuff on it you know but yeah i you know i mean again there's people you'd like to sound like i i used to because i grew up at the beach i remember we'd go we'd go down <clears throat> here now i'm totally losing my voice we'd go down <laughs> we'd go down to the beach like in the middle of the night and we'd just be like shrieking me and my high school buddies, we you know like shrieking our our our, our Robert Plant licks at the ocean, you know, <laughs> not to disturb anybody, right? Uh. You shook me, off! you know, all <laughs> sort of stuff. So good. So you know, poor Bob Plant. I mean, his voice was gone by nineteen too, you know, and uh, and and then there's just Paul. Paul's ridiculous. I mean, as far as just like the whole package, you know, Paul McCartney and just yeah. so you know, I. I you know, like it's great. I, I I jam with my kids and we do the whole Beatle repertory thing, you know. And like we're playing Let It Be, and I'll do all of George's really high. I can't do it right now because I'm fried, but <clears throat> but you know, still work on it always. The Harris, the George O'Hara singers, isn't that what he bills himself as when he facts himself? <laughs> Yeah. But um, having the the range that you do as well, I mean, it. it oh, I, 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 I'm just about yeah. My declining falsetto. That's the great, 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 wonderful thing about having Ellen Rooney, a girl in the band, because it's just it's it's allowed me to kind of spare this, and 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 not so much stress or worry about that loss of my top. Hmm. Register, which is de very depressing for me, you know. I mean, it still happens on good days, but you know, there's just so much when I can't hit it. And she says, "Don't worry, don't worry." 
you know, it doesn't matter because she sings the parts. You know, it's beautiful. <clears throat> I, you're my love, you're my happiness. You know, it's all there. It's, it's hard, you know. Mm. Well, I mean, at least you're in good company because, you know, it's happened to Brian Wilson, it's happened to Elton John, it's yeah. happened to Paul McCartney. So, you know, yeah. and, you so, know. And having a having having a having a girl in the band is it's just it's beautiful and wonderful as as, as that yeah I used to do a really really great Art Garfunkel you know and, and I perhaps I still can but you know well do you think um with with your range I, I don't want to say you know decreasing as if it's a bad thing but does that change yours does that change your songwriting style where like melodies are maybe more um, I don't want to say structured but more um, oh, what's the word? Um, I'm not going to limit it. I don't limit the range. I'm not going to do that because I know that we can always put more voices on here. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And really, I mean, I write, I, you know, I like the sound of a tenor and an alto. Everybody does. I mean, that's just what we, it's, it's that androgynous voice, you know? Yeah. So I still, I still write pieces like that. And, you know, we have a beautiful song on, on a, on, on Cube, it's called Sunshine, and really my my huge inspiration behind that song was Roger Hodgson, who's just I mean he has the voice of an angel. I mean you just write I mean, super tramp, and 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 uh, and that was the the deal with that. And I I can't <laughs> I don't have Roger Hodgson at least not this week, you know. <laughs> and so roll the dice, you know, when I can sing that beautifully, and so and so. So you know, I, I I still write, and I write with her in mind, and 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 also as an extension of that, I I, I really try to have her be very uh, involved in the lyric writing process, mm -hmm. so that she can claim ownership of the song, you know, if she's going to be singing it. So that's important to me, you know. That's really cool. Um, well, I mean, just a, a, this is something that, you know, again, a lot of people may know. Um, and again, this is curiosity. But with um, with uh, uh, Zira, call out my name. Um, uh, did Was that, was, was, yeah. Was, so good. Was that, that wasn't your voice, was it, on the chorus? Or was it? No, no. Because you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> Yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Oh, jeez. I just got to do it because it's always fun to do, you know? <laughs> so good, yeah. And all that, right? Uh-huh. Where is that? That was a... That was a... It was originally like this... Uh, The, the original demo for that song, it was kind of like a, what, what, what do they call those? Um, what, what, what's, what's the expression people always say? Secret, uh, they always say, um, I, I, secret likes or whatever. What is the expression I'm looking for? You know, you, you like something that's not cool or popular or whatever. Oh, um. You know what I'm saying. Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Oh, gu anyway. Gu guilty pleasure. Oh, guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My secret guilty pleasure. So it's Journey, right? Because Neil Schoen's an insane guitar player, you know? So I listened to a lot of Journey because because I was listening to Neil Schoen. And the thing about Journey that I discovered was that 
their their hits are these you know really amazingly structured pop songs like don't stop believing i'm sorry it's a brilliant song and if you break it down it follows the same structure as hey jude mm-hmm. It gives you verse and verse, and it gives you a couple little teases about what's to come, and then you only get the chorus as the outro. It's the same setup, you know? I mean, they may have looked at that for inspiration. I don't know, but anyway. Guy's an incredible guitar player. So it was very much a guilty pleasure. It was was kind of a cross between between this journey and Prince, really is what the what the two because prince is also the, that that same sort of you know shred guitar thing mm. and so and so and, and the original lyrics were about were about uh about squid sydney from from the lunatics who you know i had this 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 uh this unrequited crush on and and but but again that was just that was just way too straight for the red crosses you know so i i i'm of course made it kitschy and pop culture instead so he changed the words to to, to, to i changed the words to uh be about zira who's just as good of a, 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 a subject to have a love ode i think about you know but yeah but then it became increasingly like with that you know i i, I was just trying to create this 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 van halen-esque kind of thing you know to make it huge you know but Michael Bloom, who produced the record, he made it. He made it pretty sheeny and glossy, and more so than I would have done. You know, I would have made it much just more in-your-face kind of thing. You know, is that so, some, is that something that you liked about the sort of live uh, process that you were able to just make it a bit, you know, dirtier? Oh, and, yeah, yeah. dude, it's all you know. The the the, the goal was live at Leeds, you know, always. <laughs> Always. I mean, for me, at any rate, that's just, that's, that's just, I just, mm, 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 you know, yeah. it's rock and roll, right? So what, <laughs> um, with live, are there any sort of, um, say, across Europe or wherever, any cities that particularly had a, you know, a profound impact on you or um, not in terms of, I mean, in terms of audience uh, participation and um yeah, we had we had love spots. I mean, when it, we we always had this this rabid following in San Francisco that was beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. And the first time we played New York City was 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 just a mind-boggling experience because because we went there, you know, and there was like a thousand people there, like three thousand miles from home, you know, and it was, and, and we were still teenagers, you know, so that was that was a crazy situation. Mm-hmm. Just as as far as being just like wow, you know, a, a really overwhelming thing, and we had a lot of very memorable shows that were steeped in you know angry bald people throwing objects at us and stuff, <laughs> like that. and they were always just a small you know a little microcosm of the greater whole. But that's what you remember and who gives you grief, you know. But we, I, what was very interesting to me going to Spain was the audiences were very different. They were, they were rabid. They were beautiful and extraordinarily receptive. But but what 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 it reminded me of was athletic events. It was really bizarre. One, the audiences seemed to be way predominantly male, which was interesting because at home you know, it seemed to be a fifty fifty boys and girls. You know, it seemed to be really heavy on the male side. And they do this whole thing where like they're like 
chanting and I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're singing national anthems or what's going on, but they're just erupting between your songs and like these big things, you know, and it feels like a soccer game or whatever, right? Or, or football huh. and <clears throat> you're, you know, real football. And, and that was really interesting. And the other thing that was just really mind boggling, particularly since it wasn't even, you know, their native language was that you'd, you'd be playing and like there'd be thousands of people singing back our lyrics to us. And that was something we'd never experienced here ever, ever. That was, that was to, to me just like a wow <laughs> you know, experience. Yeah, that's definitely a, a European thing. Uh, well, definitely in the UK as well. Um, you know, whereas, you know, I think, um, I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, but like, I'm, my understanding is that like German audiences, German audiences in particular, like to dance. More. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to go in Germany just so I can see them dance. That's a beautiful. Thing. <laughs> well, um, I want to thank you because we've went over because you know I probably asked too many questions and yeah. No, but, no <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to thank you for being a part of this. Uh, the reaction to the announcement was uh, really cool. Um, and you know, hopefully we will do this again at some point. But um, what is what, what is next for for your good self? Well, here locally, we're 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 are in August. We're we're hoping to do a little micro touring, and 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 we're playing in Salt Lake City, and and hopefully Las Vegas. We're trying to set up a, a twin show with that, and we're we'll begin uh, tracking the drums for our next record for. And and that's pretty much like I get as heavy, and we're playing here at home as well. And that's August twenty six, and 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 that's the deal. Everybody, go go go, uh, like us on Facebook slash It's Okay the Band I T S O K T H E B A N D. All links will be be, uh, below the show as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, you know. And yeah, we're we're friendly and we love you. I mean, you know, that's that's the deal, right? And it's and 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 buy cubes. Do I have a copy of it here somewhere? Somewhere I don't know. You you can you can put the image of cubed up or something like that. It's wonderful. And four four promises to be just as good, if not better. One can only hope. <laughs> just just more beautiful songs to bring to you that that are that are just good clean fun you know? <laughs> that's good it, it's music for the sake of you know just good music you know no no agenda um, no just yeah. joy the agenda is some joy you know absolutely right? absolutely um okay well again because you know i usually with uh guests um you know I, the thing about doing this podcast that has been the most shocking is how uh receptive guests have been because i always feel like i'm just bringing a pain in everyone's backside to you well, know <laughs> you've been delightful i mean you know Oh, that, that's that's really good to know. Um, so yes, again, thank you for uh, being a part of the show, and um, we'll chat again soon. All right, awesome.
that was It's Okay with At The Mall from their album Cubed. Uh, all songs played on today's show are from that album. And links are below uh, where you can buy all of Robert's amazing music. Um, yes, Robert was such a cool interview. He's so chilled out and happy. I think it, you know, it could be just where he lives you know i i don't know the weather probably helps um (laughs) um yeah he's just such a cool dude and you know uh, again i want to thank him for uh taking some time out you know i I thank people far too much during the interview you know ending an interview is quite sort of awkward at times Uh, (laughs) so you know uh, just thanking someone quite a lot to the point where i make them feel uncomfortable um (laughs) it's probably you know uh probably not the best way to do it but um i'm like that on the phone as well you know i'm terrible at hanging up first unlike my mum who uh she'll hang up halfway through a sentence when she's got all the information she needs (laughs) she's quite bad for that especially when i'm in public as well it's just so she's so rude anyway um uh yeah so uh coming up <coughs> as a as he uh coughs um we have uh as announced on the pablo's poppin podcast facebook page we have jason downs coming up i think he'll be next week's guest um not entirely sure yet but i have conducted i've conducted half the interview with him and we've got to do the other half but uh jason was a what well, he he had a big hit in 2001 in the uk called white boy with a feather uh, a song which a lot of you will you know may be familiar with he mixed um you know country and hip hop um you know i don't think anyone's done it quite as uh, full on as him including you know acts like beck um Jason really went for it, and uh, the first album was a hit, and then he had uh, two albums after that, and, um, you know, we get to talk about all that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of his, um, you know, his career probably, you know, well, it didn't take off how he maybe imagined it. I think it was a case of too much too soon, and uh, but he's certainly, you know, done a lot of growing up over the years, and all of his albums are superb. Not every, you know, his second album ventures more into electronica, and the third album is sort of epic, you know, just kind of orchestral pop, I guess. Um, you know, I'll I'll find out from Jason what he likes to describe his third album as, because, you know, I discovered that after, you know, just years of him, he was he disappeared. And I just, I, every so often I'll Google to see where he was and couldn't find anything. And then he just shows up with this amazing album and a lot of other projects. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, an interview everyone will enjoy. Um, I'm also, uh, I can also confirm, uh, this is one for the wrestling fans, you know, you know that I've uh, done some wrestling shows, uh, in the past, uh, guests have included, you know, wrestling authors, actual wrestlers, um, and we have former WWE superstar Colin Delaney, and if you watched, uh, the WWE version of ECW around 2007-2008, Colin was a part of that, um, so I'm uh, very uh, grateful that he's uh, taking some time out. And, you know, it's it's going to be a fun interview as well because obviously his career is more than that. And, we get, you know, hopefully I will ask him questions that he hasn't been asked before because that's the thing with not just wrestlers, probably especially wrestlers but you know artists in all fields that they get asked the same questions over and over again and i try to come at things from you know a different viewpoint an artist viewpoint in a lot of uh a lot of situations so yeah um and as you know with guests um i, I 
while I just completely unscramble my mind, uh, as I said, Eric Dover and Eric Skodis will be doing a show quite soon. That will be a fan question show. Uh, so for all you Imperial Drag fans, uh, join Pablo's Poppin' Podcast Facebook page. And yes, uh, all the information you will require will be there see i'm starting to just you know uh, go insane now my, my sleeping pattern is terrible uh it's one o'clock in the morning on a sunday so i, I need to <laughs> wrap this up uh you know that's the thing the interviews with um with colin and um i've got another interview tomorrow who's it with can't even remember anymore um colin's on the east coast who's on the west coast that's going to drive me insane. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, another name that you may be familiar with, if you're a fan of Roger Manning, um, his solo band who played Fuji Rock Festival and some other gigs, uh, the guitarist in that band, um, Aaron Kaplan, um, he will be a guest as well. So we'll get to talk about a lot of different things, you know, get to talk about Roger, uh, we'll get to talk about his uh, background, what he's up to now. Um you know, he does a lot of session work as well. So, like, you know, I try to appeal to people who are in my situation, who are, you know, looking for work, who need advice, tips, etc. So, you know, I think Aaron will be a wealth of information uh, with uh, with this kind of thing. So, yeah, I hope everyone enjoys that. And there are a lot of other names coming up as well. So, with that, I think I've plugged everything that I need to plug. Uh, do visit the Kickstarter again. Um, you know, I will keep pushing this like a motherfucker um, for the next uh, few weeks. You know, it, it means a lot. Um, it means everything at the moment. So, yes, um, you know, I, I will shut up about it for this week now. But <laughs> please, you know, you know the score. Like, comment. What would you like to see from the show? Who would you like to see on the show? Uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, recommend. Do a little dance, make a little love, and get down tonight. And I shall see you next... Uh, I was going to say next Friday. Probably won't be, but I will certainly see you next week. Okay. Oh, actually, because I am a terrible host, uh, before we leave, this is Cubed from the album Cubed by Robert Hecker's band It's Okay. Yeah. I was doing